We want to welcome our visitors. We're thankful that you've taken time to be with us this morning, and we pray that if you're traveling, that you have a safe journey back home when you head that direction. And uh, we're, we're thankful that you've taken time to be with us today. We always strive to have our worship pleasing to God, and, and that's our goal. And we realize that we benefit from that worship. And so as we sing these songs of praise, as we've studied in our Bible class, let us be mindful of those words and the things that we're saying. And as we conduct the rest of our service, continue to remember that we are in the presence of God, and it's Him that we worship in our society today, it seems that there's an attack on the home. That they want to destroy the role that a husband has and a wife has and the children have. And, you know, the saying is that we, it takes a village to raise a family. Well, I don't really think that that's an accurate uh, description of what it takes to raise a family. Certainly, when I was a kid, you know, you're going to hear some of them old people stories. When I was a kid... If you acted up, it did take the village because if you were on the other side of the block, they called your house before you got home and your mom and dad found out about it and you were in trouble. Nowadays, if you get in trouble on the other side of the block and you go home and you're in trouble, then you can go live at the other corner because they'll take you in. And that's just the way it works in our society today. People don't realize that what they're doing is destroying the home and the authority that God has given to the family. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the role of husband. Today, we'll talk about the husband. And so you wise, don't sharpen your elbows too much for a rub, you know, elbow on your husband because next week it'll be your turn. But I want us to realize that there is a, a, an effort out there, and I believe that it's directed toward a home. There's organizations that say they want to destroy the home as we know it, as the way it's supposed to be according to God's Word. And I think that this has been taking place for years. I believe that it's affected by the clothing that we wear, that they strive to destroy what we realize is modesty in the home. I believe that even the way we eat uh, has changed, and there, there's reasons for some of those things. And sometimes we just fall right in, and we accept those things. We turn on the television, and nowadays there's barely a program on that doesn't have some transgender or some uh, uh, gay person that's out there, and they're portrayed in a positive light so that when we say things are wrong or that that lifestyle is wrong, then we look like the bad guys. And that's really sad when we think about it. Because it's creeping into our homes and it may not affect us as older people, but it's going to have an effect on our younger people and they're going to start to accept it and wonder why us old fogies don't. Well, I'll tell you why us old fogies don't. Because we want to be what God wants us to be. And God has a standard that He expects you and I to live by. And He expects the world to live by that standard also. But the world may reject it. And they introduce things that are against God and prevent the family from being what God would have us to be. And so we learn from Genesis 2 how God created Adam and Eve. And Adam was created from the dust of the earth, and God breathed unto him the breath of life, and the Bible says he became a living soul. And then God created Eve from one of the ribs of Adam's side. Have you ever wondered why God chose a rib as opposed to just taking the dust from the ground and making woman? 
Why is it that He took a rib out of Adam's body and He created woman? Why not make her from the dust of the earth? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us the exact reason. God doesn't stand up and say, listen, this is why I did that. But I think that we can logically conclude some things from just the text of our Scripture. You see, there was nothing on earth like the woman that God created for Adam. She was a special creation. And I think husbands need to realize how special their wives are. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he could call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Isn't it kind of interesting when you read that passage of Scripture that God said up here, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a help me. But then He says, I'm going to bring all the animals to Adam and He's going to name all of those animals. And He's going to look at all of those animals. And Adam came to the conclusion that there was no help me for him. There was no helper there. And so why would God have Adam do that? Why have Adam name all of the animals? Well, maybe, and just maybe, God had Adam go through that process of looking and naming all every creature that God had created to drive home a point. To drive home a point to Adam. And maybe that point was this. Adam, there's nothing on earth like what I'm going to create next. This woman, Eve, is going to be the crowning achievement of God's creation. And so today, we're going to focus on the husband. We will be looking at Adam, the first man, who was perfectly created by God to see what a husband should be like. Now, we understand that like all husbands... They may start out good, but there's things that go wrong in their lives. And the same is true with Adam, but we're not going to get that far just yet. And so the first thing that I want us to realize is the first thing about a husband is that he should recognize that there's nothing like the woman he's married to. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25-29, through 29, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkled or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church." Paul is telling us that a husband should treat his wife as the most important thing that God has done for him. The comparison that he makes is Christ to the church. And we look at that comparison, what did Jesus do? What did He do for the church? He purchased it with His blood. He gave His life so that you and I could be a part of the church. So that those of us who have been baptized into Christ, who's gone and reenacted the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, when we went down in that water and we came up a new creature, 
we're in the body of Christ. And God, and you, you can ask yourself, what has God, what has Jesus, what has the Godhead, any of them done to hurt us? And the answer is very simple. Not one single thing. God is looking out for our best interest. Our Lord cares about us. He wants to protect us. He wants to watch over us. And that's the comparison that we see with the church and Christ to the husband and his wife. A husband should treat his wife as the most important thing that God has done for him. And Adam realized that. And that's why he said in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 23 that this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam was saying, there's nothing on earth like this woman. There's nothing on this earth like my wife. That's what Adam's saying. Isn't that really the attitude that every husband should have when it comes to his wife? That she's the most beautiful? That she is the most greatest possession that God has ever put in His care? The wife. Why not just form Eve out of the dust of the ground? Why take one of Adam's ribs? Well, it could be that God wanted Adam to be invested in Eve. He wanted him to realize that she now was a part of him. It was Adam's rib. It belonged to him. And he gave it up. So Eve was created. The second point is, now Eve is a part of Adam. They were literally one flesh. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 24, it says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So a husband should consider his wife as something that's very precious to him. I don't know how many of you have something that's precious, but you know most of us have something that we consider precious. And it may be an item in our possession. There may be something that we own, something that we have, but we handle that thing that's precious very carefully. Many times when a baby comes into the world, we realize that that little bundle of joy is so precious that we're going to take good care of it. We're going to change its diapers. We're going to feed it. We're going to make sure it gets a, a nice place to sleep. We're going to do all the things because we realize... That child is precious. You know how many marriages break up because a husband forgets that that relationship is precious? Why should he consider that it's precious? Because she is part of him. Remember what Paul said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ so loved the church and gave Himself for it, 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkled or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loveth himself. Well, stop there for a minute. Think about that. A lot of times when marriages start to have problems because of the husband has forgotten that she's precious and that she's a part of him, it's because he's taken the focus off of her and he's miserable inside. He's not happy. And because he's not happy, that marriage isn't going to be happy. And if you don't love yourself, it's going to be difficult to love your spouse because she's a part of you. It goes on in verse 29, For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. A godly husband realizes that he needs to nourish it and cherish not only his body, not only himself, but his wife. That relationship that they have. In fact, with the exception of God, she is the most important person in his life. The most important person in his life. How does a husband show his wife that she's important to him? Well, somebody put together Ten Commandments for the husband. Now, there's various forms of these commandments that are out there. One that I'm looking at is this one. Because it says, Thou shalt not take thy wife for granted, but will honor and respect her. You know, people get upset sometimes when they're taken for granted. We don't like a boss that just takes us for granted, that you're always going to just do this or that or whatever. We don't like that. We don't like any relationship where people are taking advantage of us because they just take us for granted. And the same is true in the home. And when a husband starts to take his wife for granted, then there's going to be problems. People are going to be upset. And so he should not take his wife for granted. And remember the vows that you make. Most vows that I've heard, you talk about honor and respecting one another. Second point, thy highest allegiance should be to thy wife with the exception of God, not thy relatives, or friends. You see, sometimes we put those people in front of our relationship with our, with our, our, our wives. And that shouldn't be. You leave father and mother and you cleave to your wife. That means you've grown up to the point where you're out on your own. And that relationship that you have with your spouse is something that you work at and you make it grow. And yes, mom and dads are important. But don't go running home to mom every time something's done that you don't like. You know, Don't tell your wife, you don't cook like my mom. You married her. She must have cooked well enough. That didn't concern you when you said, will you marry me? Thou shalt frequently tell thy wife how precious and valuable she is to thee. Why is that important? She already knows it. Because people need to hear those things out of our mouth. You need to tell your wife that you appreciate what she does. That she is special. 
Because she is. Thou shalt hold thy wife's love by the same action and words that thou used to win her. Oh, remember how much fun it was when you were dating? And you had to impress her? Now I'm married, I don't have to impress her at all. I got her and that's it. That's not the attitude that we should have. And wives, just let me say one thing. You know, you've been married for a while and he brings home flowers. Because he's remembering what he used to do before you got married and you jump all over him because you don't need that anymore. You don't need that money wasted on that. Now, wasn't it funny? It wasn't a waste to begin with, but now it's a waste. Don't be that kind of wife. And husbands, remember what you did to win that wife. You continue to do those things. Thou shalt actively establish family discipline with the wife's help. Work together when it comes to discipline the family. There's a, you can't have division in the home. And sometimes the, the husband may be overbearing. I think that's why we, we have the passage of Scripture that says, uh, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Because sometimes fathers can be overbearing. And a, a wife is there to kind of help mediate, kind of help pull things together, and help him to realize some things. That doesn't mean that you, know, you just ignore the problem. But you work together to fix the problem. Number six. Remember to do all the little things for thy wife that thou saidest that thou would do. <clears throat> you know, many times that honey-do list, you say, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, and you never get to it. And I know you're thinking, well, yeah, I get to it, but it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Well, that's probably true. But if you say you're going to do it, then follow through. Number seven, keep your eyes on your own wife not on thy neighbors. I think that's obvious, the reason why. Number eight, thou shalt make every effort to see things from thy wife's point of view. What does that mean? That you're going to listen to what she has to say. You may not agree, but you can have the discussion. You can work it out. But you're telling her that her opinion is just as important and valuable as yours. Number nine, thou shalt not fail to kiss thy wife every morning. Yeah, even if she has that morning breath. And number ten, thou shalt not be stingy with thy wife when it comes to money. Money is a problem in a lot of families. There's never enough of it. And so when I say those things, I also realize there's budgets and things that we have to be, you know, realize that, that are in effect. That you just can't go wasting money. But think about what you're doing. You know, if it's always okay for you as the husband to go spend it on whatever you want, but you tell the wife no all the time, is that really being the kind of husband that you should be? Sometimes as a husband, you make the sacrifice. And so those are some of the things, some of the ways that can let you know that you're thinking about her and that you love her. And you may come up with other things that you could put on your list, but number one, a husband should view his wife as now bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and that there's nothing on earth that is quite like her.
And he must find ways to show her that she is precious to him. Third, he should do everything that he can to protect her. I say at most wedding ceremonies that I officiate at, that God did not make or did not take a bone from man's foot so that he could walk all over her. And he didn't take a bone from Adam's head so that he could rule or she could rule over him. But he took a bone from his side so that she could be by his side. And just as that rib protects the vital organs of that body, may you always protect the love that you have today. Think about what love does. Love protects. You think about what happens sometimes in our world. An animal attacks a child and that parent runs out to do whatever they can. Why do they do that? They know they're going to get bit. They know that they're going to get chewed up. They may be mauled. They may even lose their life. Why do they do that? Because they love that child. That's what love does. Love will cause you to put your life on the line for that person that you really love. And, and, and love protects. And so that's the primary function of men with their wives, to protect their wives. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to, unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as their heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Did you notice what that passage of Scripture says? It says that the wife is the weaker vessel. You say, preacher, do you mean to say that women are weaker than men? No. God said it. And God's the Creator. He is the one that made man and He made woman. And He says, yes, that she is the weaker vessel. And there's a lot of people who regard that statement, a weaker vessel, as something that's patronizing of women. They say that if you believe that a woman is weaker than any man, you are relegating a woman to the status of second-class citizen. And many in our world would be appalled to hear someone say that. To hear us say that a woman is a weaker vessel. They would say women are equal to any man. But that's just not true. And you know what? I think most people realize that. And to prove it, look at the world of professional sports. Look at the NFL. This afternoon, many teams are going to be playing. You're not going to find a woman on that field. Look at the NBA, National Basketball Association. They have the women have their own league, and you put a team of women on, on uh, up against a men's team, and what's going to happen? I think we know what would happen. Major League Baseball, the NHL, the National Hockey League—none of those have women on them. Why is it? Is it because they're all male chauvinists? No, because they realize that the woman is a weaker vessel. 
Not as strong as a man. You can look at what we've heard over the course of the, the last few months of Leah Thomas. I'm sure most of you have heard it. That's a, a, a person that's pretending to be a, a woman who swims against women and he wins titles and he wins all these things. But in the men's competition, he doesn't win those things. You may have seen on the news also that a transgender player spiked the ball so forcefully, again, another man playing on a woman's team, he spiked it so forcefully that severe injuries took place to the girl's face, her head, and her neck. And as I read, it says the girl is still said to be experiencing long-term concussion symptoms such as vision problems and has not been cleared to return to play either by a physician or a neurologist. And in fact, the school that she played on, the team that she played on, that school canceled all the games that they had with that opposing team. And if you watch the video, that ball was spiked so hard into that girl's face, her head flew back, but the ball bounced right back into the net off of her face. That's the kind of force. You see, men are different from women. And it's sad, again, that we see in our society where people want to change that. It's not unusual nowadays to go to the store and see a man pretending to be a woman. Now, I'd be condemned if I said something about that, but I guess I'm condemned because that's wrong. God created two sexes, whether we like that or not, male and female. And men are not equal, or women are not equal to men. They're different. And that's really all it is, is they're different. That doesn't mean that a man is better. It just means that the sexes aren't equal. They're different. And there's been studies that have been done to prove it. That show us that there's a difference. I don't think we even need a study to figure that out. I think that it's obvious. But our world, because we want to make laws that says what we believe is wrong... And what the people out there in the world say is right, we're the ones that's going to be looked down upon. And unfortunately, many Christians have bought into what the world says about the home and about the role of men and about the role of women. So there's a fundamental difference between men and women. But one of the most prominent of those differences is the fact that she that as a rule, women are weaker than men. And because women are weaker, they tend to be more vulnerable. They're more prone to being abused and attacked, more likely to be taken advantage of and sexually assaulted. And that's why husbands and fathers should always protect their daughters and husbands should protect their wives. And I believe that that's also the reason why the church is to take widows into their number so that they're not abused. I mean, you get all these scam calls now. You wait till you turn 65 or get in that area, you'll get a gazillion of them because they're looking for people that they can take advantage of. 
And a lot of times widows are taken advantage of. Why? Why is that? Because a lot of times they need money. They need help. And you got somebody on the other phone that on the other end of the phone that's making it sound like that's the answer. And that's not the answer. And so God wants husbands to protect their wives. He wants fathers to protect their daughters. And He wants the church to protect their widows. And there's a false teaching out there that embraces the idea that God looks at women as a second-class citizen. Uh, Richard Dawkins uh, believes that and portrays our God as uncaring and unloving of women. Even well-meaning Christians will have that same reaction. Many times you hear in a Bible class where you read the Old Testament and you look, and people will say, oh, well, women didn't matter. But when you look at the creation and you see what God did for Adam, you realize that a woman is something that's very special and that she was the crowning portion of God's creation. You see, God created both man and women in His image. Women are God's special creation, so there's something fundamentally wrong with the statement that the Bible treats women as second-class citizens because God doesn't think like that. Think about it. If God tells men to protect their wives and tells the church to protect their widows, wouldn't God also tell Israel to protect their women? Protect, not devalue, and if you start looking at the Old Testament with that perceptive view, it starts to make sense. Because women are more vulnerable. God's law was designed to protect them. And protecting women is an underlying teaching throughout the Bible. That's why healthy husbands, good husbands, protect their wives. And that's why the church protects its widows. <clears throat> now, society's not always going to do that, as evident by what we see in women's, or women's sports where they allow men to participate. <laughs> they know it's not fair, but they don't care. Our society is messed up. God has a plan for husbands. Number four, God formed Eve from, from Adam's rib so that husbands would see that their wives were a special creation of God and that they belonged to God. Someone joked once, <clears throat> when God finished the creation of Adam, he stepped back and scratched his head and said, I can do better than that. Well, that's a joke. But the truth of the matter is, after he created Adam, God knew that man was incomplete. He said it's not good that man should be alone. Even or Eve completed Adam. She was created by God to be what Adam was not. She had qualities that Adam needed in his life. She was not created to be Adam's slave or his servant. God took a rib from Adam's side to show that Eve would walk beside him and be his partner, his helpmate throughout this life. And as I've said many times that I heard an elder's wife say that she looked at that when it says a helpmate to mean 
that wife is going to help that husband to get to heaven. That really should be our goal as a husband and wife. Not to look around the world and see what they're doing and we want to be like them. We want to be like God, what God wants us to be so that heaven can be our home. You see, God created Eve. Woman was God's creation and they belong to Him. And that's why God warns husbands with these words found in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs <clears throat> together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Did you notice what God says in His Word there? God is warning husbands <clears throat> that if you mistreat your wife, your prayers aren't going to be heard. They're going to be hindered. And your prayers will be hindered by God because you are treating your wife or mistreating the creation that He has made special for you. <clears throat> so as we close, interesting enough, when we think of the world, the world notices when a man cares about his wife. They notice <clears throat> the powerful example that a good husband can set for the world. And I think that we can demonstrate our love for our spouses and that the world will take notice of it. And so I ask you as a husband, <coughs> are you being the example that you should be? Are you loving your wife? Are you treating her as that special creation that God made? Are you looking at her as someone that's helping you in this life and that you're not taking her for granted? You're not abusing her by the things that you say or the things that you do? Are you living that life? I know some don't have husbands that are Christians, but as a wife, we'll talk about the wife next week. But sometimes you have to take on two roles because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. I'm talking to those of us that are here as husbands. Are we living as God would want us to live as a husband? And if you ever are contemplating married marriage, Think about what God expects out of you as a husband and how He expects you to conduct your life. This morning, if you're not a Christian, that's really where it starts. You want to become a child of God so that heaven can be your home. And Jesus tells us what we need to do. We need to believe and be baptized. And this morning, you can do that this morning. All things are ready. Maybe any of our prayers, we're here to help in any way that we can. <clears throat> and if you need to respond, please do so. I'll be staying the same.